Okay, it's recording. And then I'm gonna make sure we have a share screen. And I do. Um, and then I think we'll be live. Um, let's go share. Okay, I think that's gonna work. I see it on there, awesome. I'm always like, oh God, technology, I usually have someone else run this stuff, but. I know. Um, all right. um, I am so excited for this E2T interview with Anna Levesque. She is one of my, I don't know, I probably am a little bit starstruck by her and all that she's accomplished. She is a world-class paddler. She is also a sub instructor. You also certify people in how to do stand-up paddleboard yoga. She is someone who is, what is it, six continents that you've kayaked on, Anna? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've, yeah. <laughs> um, she was one of the top in the world in play boating. She started Girls at Play, getting more women into the whitewater kayaking sport. She is a health coach. I mean, there's so many things. Now, even if you think you never want a whitewater paddle, you want to listen to the wisdom of Anna, and she is going to help you so much in your life and dealing with fear. And so tune in for the entire interview. Anna, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you, Marcy. Thanks for that intro. Hey, it doesn't even <laughs> come close to doing you justice. So um, I want to start with whitewater paddling. Like this is not a normal sport that people think, oh, let me dedicate my life to this. How did you get into right. it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a normal sport. I, um, I was looking for a summer job, driving around my little rural, you know, area in between, I grew up in between Ottawa and Montreal. And I was dressed, I was a sophomore in college, and I was dressed to like, go into office interviews. And I was like, you know, there's a rafting company near here. Maybe they have jobs. And I drove myself over there. And now that I've been in the outdoor industry for a while, they must have just wondered what the heck I was doing, you know, just to the nines, hair done, <laughs> walking into this like small rafting company, you know, super outdoorsy. And, uh, and I really, I just went for it. I was like, do you guys have jobs like as a raft guide? And, and they chuckled. They're like, oh, guide training started like a couple months ago. You know, there's, there's no way. And I said, well, do you have anything else? <laughs> and they were like, we've got a position in the kitchen. And I'm sure they were like, there's no way this girl is going to go for this. And I was like, all right. You know, I don't know. It just, uh, I just was, you know, had inspiration of like okay well this is totally different and cool and working in the kitchen was uh you know not the ideal job I definitely you know I was called kitchen wench by some of the guides I um yeah it was it just was not glamorous at all um but I got to go whitewater rafting for the first time and as soon as I went through the biggest rapid on the river I was like, this is awesome. I was hooked. Mm. And then seeing people kayak, it just, it looked so fun. And then what really got me hooked was the culture of the people that I was surrounded with. So yeah, working in the kitchen was not great. 
Um, but being surrounded by people who put passion for life, spark for life first as a first priority, that really spoke to me. And, uh, and so that's how I really got started. I begged people to teach me how to kayak on my days off. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. So from kitchen wench yeah. at a kayaking or a rafting company to being in shape magazine and outdoor sports and i mean that's a a very humble beginning for where you ended up um which is incredible and i love that you just really love the lifestyle and that spark and that once you're in a river you were like oh this is it you told me a story um i recently did uh one of anna's workshops or actually expeditions i want to say because i spent the whole time she took me down my first class three, class four. And I'm like, <laughs> and she, she pushed me and got me through and it was amazing. Um, and taught me so much and we're going to get to that. But you told me a story of your parents refusing to even help you out because you had chosen this lifestyle and not having a car and having someone just <laughs> drive you to the river at night, because that's where you found peace and solace and just wanting to do this so badly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, when I, <laughs> so I worked two years at that one rafting company first in the kitchen and then I was too good. So they promoted me to reception, but I really <laughs> wanted to guide. And so I like, I don't even know how I did this, but I rented a car my senior year in college and drove myself to West Virginia to do raft guide training. And, uh, and so, and then I had my parents drop me off when, after graduation <laughs> in West Virginia. It would be unfair to say that they would not help me at all because they were, they were definitely, I don't think they understood. And my dad kept being like, okay, when are you going to get a real job? When are you going to get a real job? Um, but they, you know, I was supporting myself. And so I think they were like, all right, let's see how long this lasts. But um yeah. So when I, you know, I didn't have a car, they didn't want to buy me a car, <laughs> you know, to be a raft guide. And, but I don't know, I've never let stuff like that, um, you know, distract me from what my passions were. And there's always a way, I think, you know, that whole, that old saying where there's a will, there's a way. And if you look or think outside of the box, like I was like, okay, well, I have friends who have cars and they're willing to, they need to go to the grocery store. So I'll just make it so that I go to the grocery store when they go, you know? And, and yeah, I would pay, I remember paying like my friend five bucks to drive my shuttle. Um, not at night, that would not okay. be safe, but yeah, in the, like after work in the afternoon and there were always people out on the river. So, um, and people would like to go kayaking, but yeah, when I was desperate, I would definitely pay my friend Nicole five bucks to, um, drive me to the river. That's and, um, yeah, I think it's, it's about thinking outside of the box and also now and throughout my life, it also means prioritizing. So I don't know, I've, just because you said that what's coming to mind is, you know, folks who say, Oh, I can't afford a trip or I can't afford to do that. You know, for me, it's not about not being able to afford something. It's more, you, you, it would be more uh, truthful to say that's not a priority for me right now. Yeah. Because I think when things are a priority for us, 
where there's a will, there's a way. And we can budget and save. And, and it means that maybe we're not spending money on cable television or whatever else. Um, but, and that we're funneling our energy and our resources towards what we're really passionate about. And that's what I think I've been good at, honestly, in my life is, is funneling my energy, my attention, my resources towards what's really important to me. Yeah. You know, that it leads me to something that you said right before we got on the river the first day and you were like the discipline, what was it? The freedom is in the discipline. Mm. And so someone thinks of a whitewater kayaker, like, you know, you see these movies and about like rock climbing and they talk about the dirt baggers that, you know, they live on the side of the road and they live out of their cars and people just think of it, you know, someone who travels and goes after their passions as kind of being outside society, but, and, and doesn't have a lot of discipline, but you're, you are actually saying the exact opposite of that. And so explain a little bit more about the freedom and the discipline. Yeah. So I like to say freedom through discipline. And some folks I've heard, you know, recently it's become more of a buzzword. Um, I think because of someone in the Navy SEALs who's been saying it. Um, I actually got it through yoga. It's, it's, it's also a philosophy of yoga um, where when you actually have structure and discipline, for instance, doing a daily routine, for instance, we can take yoga. If you have the discipline to stretch and strengthen every day, then you have more freedom in your body. When you don't have the discipline to stretch and strengthen and you do repetitive motions, you have less freedom over time because you open yourself up to injury, right? Yeah. That keeps you bound to not being able to do the things you want to do. So that's one easy example. But with what we're talking about, it actually takes a lot of discipline to, in a way, to dirtbag. And, and, you know, I'm... I have a love-hate relationship with dirt bagging because on the one hand, I think it's important for the outdoor industry and professionals to thrive. The outdoor industry, we need to step up and not all be dirt bags and pay for gear and like honor that um, we need to support each other in that way. And, um, and at the same time, it takes a lot of discipline to say, I'm going to live out of my car, which I did. My husband and I, when we met, we met on the competition circuit. We traveled in a Dagger Subaru, not even a cool van life. You know, <laughs> we traveled in a Subaru for across the country for several summers, um, and that takes discipline, right? Because maybe for some people that would be really difficult. I remember my cousins who were younger than me when I pulled up to their house on on my travels, and I pulled my little drawer you know like I had a little plastic drawers out of the trunk they were like what you live out of your car it was like so foreign to them but when you know it takes discipline to do that so and it gave me freedom to follow my passion again coming back to what's important to me what was important to me is not big flat screen tvs and having a beautiful apartment and like a fancy car or um you know, what was important to me, especially at that time, was uh, following my passion and getting really good at kayaking and pushing myself and challenging myself. And now, um, as an entrepreneur, right, it's the same, you know, with growing a business, freedom through discipline. If you don't ever track the numbers, 
then you can overspend, go over budget, all of that. It, you know, again, the discipline, the structure of having a budget or the structure of having a calendar, right? And plugging things into the calendar, then we have more freedom because then we're not stressing out and missing meetings and, and lacking in integrity with people. So. Yeah, exactly. And I think it, when it comes to finances, like you said, like with everything in life, when you have that specific goal of where you want to be in your life or what you want to do, and it's connected to a deep passion that you have, I think the passion pulls you through those hard things. But if you don't ever find that discipline, even in your passion, you're just never going to grow. You're never going to get there. And I think there are so many distractions for people these days that it's just easier to turn on the Netflix or start the healthy thing tomorrow or I'll train later, you know, or get my finances in order. And it's always pushed off. And that kind of brings me to one of the things that you really talked about when we're on the river is, you know, I was following someone else's line because I was scared and you're like, stop using someone else. You know, you, you have to find yours. You have to read the river. You've got to go and find your own line. And I think a lot of people are so afraid when they're starting something new or they're going into something. One, to trust within themselves, to trust within like, do I have the skills? But also you talk, so you talk a lot about finding your own line and you talk a lot about the story and the fear. And so that's what I'd love for you to like explain to people. I don't know if that was a very good setup, but you know what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, totally. Um, so first, like the, the mental aspect of, you know, and whitewater kayaking, what I've loved about it is it is, it is definitely a metaphor for life. How, how I approach the fear and challenge of whitewater kayaking is how I approach fear and challenge in other areas of my life. And that, I think that's true for all of us. And so um, the discernment between, I talk a lot about the discernment between the story that we tell ourselves about what, what is happening versus the facts of what's actually happening. That can be so, so empowering, right? Um, when we, when something, especially something uncomfortable or even what we consider negative is happening, it's important to notice if we're suffering because of the story we're telling ourselves about how terrible it is versus the, versus the actual situation, right? So in whitewater kayaking, for instance, you know, if uh, a common thing is people swim out, like they flip over, we flip over, and if you don't have a roll, then you swim out of your kayak um, and you're swimming down the rapid, which is extremely vulnerable and scary. And so um, when you look at the facts, right, you're swimming out of your kayak and you swam the rapid. That's what happened. Got to shore, let's say. Um, a story we could be telling ourselves is, oh my gosh, I suck as a kayaker. How could I swim there? Everyone thinks I suck. Everyone's having to help me. I'm such a burden. Maybe I shouldn't kayak. I, I shouldn't be out here. You know, so the story snowballs and that's where the suffering lies. The suffering doesn't actually lie. And yes, it is physically uncomfortable for sure to be swimming in a river, 
but the added suffering doesn't actually lie in the act of swimming out of our kayak. Um, so that's one example. And when we, when we pause and actually recognize um, and acknowledge the story, then it loses power over us. And then we can come back to, well, wow, that was, that was scary. That um, wasn't ideal, not what I wanted. Um, but now I'm back in my boat. My friends have helped me out. What a great crew. I've got more rapids coming up that I'm stoked about, right? As opposed to like going down the snowball effect of like losing confidence because of essentially lies that we're telling ourselves. I will use that strong word, lies, because, you know, I've been there. I've been like, oh, everyone thinks I suck. Like no one thinks I sucked. And even if they did, that's more about them than about me. Right. That, that's a very good point. <laughs> yeah. And so, so anyways, that's, I think, and that applies to anywhere in our lives, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's like writing the first page of a novel, starting mm -hmm. to paint, um, you know, there's just going up and having a conversation with someone that it might be difficult or asking for help. I mean, we, those same like chemicals go off inside of us and the, the pit of the stomach as when you're going into a rapid you've never done and you're seeing these rocks and you're like, oh God, what am I gonna do? What if I don't get through it? And you're, you're like, the brain is just loves to torture us. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, like we carry around these brains that like to torture us and really enjoy the lies and the stories. So you've come and you have had to face, I mean, you've done the class fives. And it's funny, there's a rapid that Anna and I went through on the driveway that, um, you know, is probably nothing for her. And so there's this, there's this hole called, it's the whole rapid's called Dragon's Tooth. And I was going to walk away, but then I got very afraid of the actual walk and decided that I was better off going through the rapid and ended up being one of my best experiences. And, but as I'm waiting for you to, or for my spot to go down, these two guys are watching you do what's called the scary fairy. No one likes to ferry or play in this area. And they're all up there like, who the heck is this? And for you, it's like, it's not a big deal. But at some point, you had to build up to class fives, to getting what we call rock to doing all these things so that scary fairy is like oh that looks fun to me and so you had to have this long journey and i think a lot of people look at like oh someone does that and like i could never do that but they don't see the failures and the swims and all the mental stuff that you had to go so like could you explain a story of like a time that you were like, how the heck am I going to do this? You know, like when it comes to like big water and or competition and how you were able to change that mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that, uh, let's see, first of all, it's baby steps, right? Again, what I talked about in the very beginning of this interview of, my focus and attention and energy towards what I'm passionate about. And over time, that's when you see the real, um, the skills building, the confidence building. And you're absolutely right that it, there, ev everyone goes, everyone has to start somewhere. 
and everyone gets scared and has to move through, right? And um, and those who are able, who are willing to get comfortable with discomfort and work through it over the long haul, you know, that's really helpful in in staying with the sport or with whatever endeavor that that you're committed to. And um, yeah, I mean, when I first started, I can remember even like paddling through my first class two rapids successfully without flipping over. And I was so excited and I got down to the bottom and I threw up my hands like, yeah, and I flipped myself over and had <laughs> like super simple. So then I could have been like, oh, that really sucked. Instead, it was like funny, right? Um, you know, other times, I mean, I definitely have been stuck underneath rocks um, where I've had to get, get myself out. I've um, one time on the Green Narrows, which is our local class four or five run, you know, I got pinned in like the first big rapid because I was being lackadaisical. And I really had a moment to be like, okay, that really sucked. You know, my friends helped me out and um, got back in my boat. And I just told myself, I was like, hey, well, you have a choice here. You're in the river. And that's also what I like about the river. Sometimes you're in it. It doesn't give you a choice to walk away. Some, sometimes it does, for sure. Um, but that time I said, okay, I'm here. I have a choice to let this ruin the rest of my day, or I have a choice to pull myself together and be grateful that I'm here, that I have such a great group of friends, that I love this river, that I've had great mentors, that I have great skill, um, and I have the choice to move forward. And like a duck, right? You know, duck feathers, they're a little oily. That's to let the water roll off the back. And it's such a good analogy. Let it be, let it live in the past. Now I'm moving forward. And that day I was able to move forward and I had actually really, really good lines the rest of the, the rest of the river, you know, cause I, um, which was different. The reason I remember it so well is because in the past, before that moment, I would have gone into all that story I was talking about and probably maybe would have swam again because I just would have been in that negative mindset. And so it takes something though. It takes practice, right? That wasn't comfortable. And um, it takes practice of doing it over and over again, right? There's no miracle pill or I tell my students, the fear is not going to go away, yeah. you know, or as a health coach, the temptation to do um, unconscious, unhealthy or make unconscious unhealthy choices is never going to go away. It's the practice over time. And so then it also requires that, you know, there, there were days where maybe I would, I would have done swam again of not giving up even after those days of like, even when I, you know, eat something that's not ideal for me, let's say I'm not like hard on myself. It's just like, okay, well that's a choice. I'm going to enjoy it. And then I'm going to, you know, try again. I think one of the things that whitewater kayaking really teaches is how to fail per se. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah. you get a choice. You walk away from the sport. I did for quite a few years. And then it was like, hold it. I really love this. And, you know, I got rocks a couple weeks ago. Um, Mr. Roll and my friends are like, okay, let's have an intervention here. Like those bruises are a little bit too much and it's time to go. And 
what was so exciting for me was that all I did was walk back in and but then when I got in the mindset was there and the fear was back and I'm like oh great I'm on a run that is like usually playful to me and you have to go through those steps and I think people get to a point on a regular basis and this is where someone like you and how you teach mindset and health coach and you know you're you've been through it so many times so you can say to people this is normal failure is normal taking that step back in your own mind walking through those steps again proving to your own mind again that hey there's always a chance to get back on but we're not taught this in our society we're taught yeah. get the a get yeah. the job. be safe you know uh, what about failure and so when people are thinking about going after their passions and their dreams it's like what if i fail and it's like oh, you're going to yeah that's right and we don't normalize that in our in our normal culture but in kayaking, it's like everyone has their story of near drowning. Everyone has their story of being rough. Like, oh, this is just normal. Like, whatever. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, and so that's where I think in a lot of ways as a coach, you have such a step above so many others because you've lived it so much. You've put yourself in it. You've rolled over in a class two at the bottom and then said, yeah, I'm still going to go and get in there. Um, there's so many things I want to talk to you about, but I want to talk to you about why you've kind of, in a lot of ways, opened up kayaking in the sports women. You were one of the women, like I hear from so many women, like 20 years ago, they'd go to the river and there was no, there weren't women. Mm -hmm. And you brought about girls at play and now mind body paddle where you're really focused in on getting women out there and doing that. And why is that one of your passions? Yeah. So when I started kayaking, I did it of my um, own volition, I say, meaning, um, so I came at it. I didn't have a boyfriend at the time who got me into the sport. I also wasn't like, a hot young girl flirting I, like I, it sounds weird but really like you know I that's not like who I who I am especially when I was younger I was actually 25 to 30 pounds heavier and um I wasn't confident and 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 yet I was very focused on what I wanted to do right once I got that bug for whitewater kayaking and so that's why it's important to me I wanted to provide experiences for women like me right because I looked around especially when I started competing and so many of the women um, were had you know male partners who were helping them out from like modifying their kayaks especially back then to outfitting to like they had more street cred because they they were with a you know a certain guy and by the way i i know i'm married to an exceptional paddler who at one point was considered one of the best paddlers in the world um and i know that also i felt it that i have had street cred in certain circles because of that and I think that's part of our society, which, I mean, gosh, we could go into that, but, yeah. um, but I think that I wanted to create experiences, empowering experiences, um, and atmospheres, platforms, venues for women who were really wanted to do kayaking, but they were maybe intimidated 
intimidated and didn't feel as confident and they may not have had like, they might not already have a group per se. And so when I started um, and I did my video girls at play, I really wanted to bring the female experience and stuff like it's okay to cry on the river. Um, stuff like that was holding women back. No, really, yeah. because, you know, um, we've come, a, we've come a long way. We have a long way to go, but you know, crying is just an emotional expression of frustration and stress. That's all. It's just water coming out of your eyes. But in the nine back then it was still very much judged. And maybe even today it is as a weakness. Um, so I just wanted to normalize that. Not that I think that it's, it's not healthy for anyone to be crying all the time. However, if something frustrating and or scary happened, you know, okay, for instance, I was in a race one, one year and I took a swim and I was really frustrated. I was burnt out. It was the end of the year and I got so mad and so frustrated. This is before the race that I walked up into the woods, bawled my eyes out once I was done and felt clear, came back down to the river, got in my kayak, and I won that race. Wow. So it's not about weakness. It's about, it, had I not given emotional expression to those feelings, I probably definitely wouldn't have won the race. I would have been still wrapped up in like trying to repress everything. And, and you know, from an Ayurvedic health perspective, anytime we repress emotion, we're creating disease in the body, right? So. I mean, just letting it out is so much healthier for mind and body. So that's just one example. And uh, just, I wanted to create venues for women to just come as they are, come as you are. You don't have to be a cute little thing. Uh, you know, I'm not, not looking to pick anyone up. I really want to, you know, because there is that culture too. And even one pro male pro kayaker who I, I've had uh, conversations with, cause he's wanting to help empower women. He in an email admitted to, you know, that was a motivation for him as a young man, pro kayaker in, in friend befriending females and teaching them how to kayak. He was wanting to date them. And so it's a real thing. And so anyways, providing supportive experiences, authentic experiences, experiences with integrity, um, for women to come push themselves, challenge themselves and, and have fun. Yeah. You know, going back to that, you playing in scary fairy while I'm up above and these guys are watching you. And I told you this at the bottom thinking that it was kind of a cool saying. And I've thought about it since they were like, wow, that woman has more balls than I will ever have in my life, you know? And and I thought it was funny. And then I saw something that Noria, I don't know how to say her last name, but she's another yeah. kayaker kind of opening up the world. That she's like, why is it when a woman is better than a guy at this sport or at anything, she's compared to a man? Yep. And it's like, it's almost like saying you're not, I don't know, it's like almost taking away that female power of it. And one of the things that you really do when you're on the river is honor the fact that as women, we paddle differently than men. We, we have more of a frontal lobe for one. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just genetically that way. We, we paddle um, with a lot more emotions. We paddle with a lot more skill oftentimes because we can't muscle. 
And I see all the time the women following that boyfriend into the sport or, you know, the guys doing the pickup and let me, let me cuddle you. And one of the things that I really feel that women like you have done is say, we don't have to paddle like the men. We can be just as good as the men, but we don't have to come with that hura, adrenaline, war story, beat my chest kind of thing. We can be just as good as women and be feminine in this sport. And I just kind of want you to, I know it could be a long subject and I want to get to other things, but that is like one of the things you are kind of trying to change in the sport. Yeah, I think that um, I love that Nuria said that because it's it's so true. Women are compared. Like if you're a good female kayaker, then you're you considered like oh you paddle like a guy, you know, kind yeah. of thing, um, or better than them. And I think for me, at this time of where I'm at, it's not about paddling like a female or a male. It's really about paddling. Um, as yourself mm. and whatever that means to you. I'm really about empowering the individual and, and having people show up as they are and um, along whatever spectrum you're on, right? And um, not having to achieve, you know, you can have as much fun paddling class three or if you're going for class five, you can go for class five, regardless of your gender. And um, I think an important aspect to that, no matter who you are, is connecting with the water and learning to read water and using the water to, it's like a dance, right? To know the water so well, know what it's doing, know um, what it's, how it's going to affect your kayak, right? It's that connection with nature. And it's the same in, in health coaching as far as Ayurveda, knowing ourselves. So to me, self-knowledge is the greatest power we'll ever have. More powerful than any money or job title or fancy car or whatever that you'll ever have. Because when you have self-knowledge and from a health coaching perspective, it is um, knowing your constitution, knowing what works for your body type, um, and eating and designing your lifestyle, customizing it to, to, to optimize your performance. Right. And it's the same with that kayaking. It's self-knowledge. What are my goals? What's really important to me? It comes back again to what I said in the beginning. What is your passion? What is important to you? What is that spark for life that you have? And how are you, you going to most effectively put your energy and resources into that? And part of that is being able to connect with the natural world, both as a paddler and as someone who wants to thrive in wellness. Um, so I think that that's, that's really my message now. I think when I started Girls at Play, it was really about empowering women. And now that's taken off. And now we have women like Nuria who are like, exceptional paddlers, way better paddler than I'll ever be, you know, just amazing. And, um, and where I'm really taking my message is, is be true to yourself, find what ignites your spark and let's work as far as a coach, you know, I'm dedicated to helping individuals reach those goals, not, not by giving them some 
formula that works for everyone because that doesn't exist, right? But creating a formula based uh, on what I've learned and my past experiences and what I've studied and what their goals are and help them reach those goals. I love it. In a unique way. So many programs now are like, here's the cookie cutter, follow these rules. If you just get up, here's the millionaire mindset, make your bed in the morning. And it's like all these rules instead of the flow that you are talking about. I can't believe we're already out of time, but um, I'm going to have everything in the links of being able to work with Anna as in her coaching program, or also that she has these amazing experiences in yoga and these retreats and uh, links to her website. And I thank you so much, A, for being on and B, for all that you've brought to my life. I mean, mm. I'm just mesmerized by you. <laughs> so Thank you, Marcy. Thanks for all that you do. I really appreciate you having me on. It's, it's an honor. So thank you so much. Yeah. And I'd love to have you back and um, yeah. keep in touch with everything that you're doing. So um, definitely be in touch with Anna, get on her newsletter. She tells incredible stories that just lift you up every week. And I thank you again and have a great day. Thanks. Thank you, Marcy. You too. Bye everyone.